The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages, that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. I don't know if you um, feel that cadence. You know, it's, it's almost hurry, right? But everything's happening very quickly. Yeah, Jesus is he's on the move. Uh, he's making uh, massive gains. And, and that kingdom proclamation that is his uh, in word and in work is, uh, is taking effect uh, throughout the entire region. And this is, um, you know, very, very much the cadence of the Gospel of Mark. It's just, it's all unfolding very quickly. Uh, we get these quick hits, and it's kind of this breathless retelling of, of Jesus' life. And, uh, and it's mine to kind of catch my breath and say something about it. But it's, uh, you know, it's all happening very quickly. We're only here in the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and it, just, it feels like everything's already happened. So, yeah, we have uh, three little kind of bite-sized pieces of the Gospel, so I'm going to go through. And uh, I, I don't know how, how good it is for me to, to tell you this ahead of time. I'm going to make three points. You're like, yeah, I know, but... Those points have sub-points, re- so yeah, I know, just strap in, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. I'm going pretty quickly, you know, I have that, have that in my mind from, a, from um, this first reading uh, from the book of Job, where he says, my, my, my days are like a weaver's shuttle. What, is a weaver, what does a weaver's shuttle look like? Okay, so... If that's like this, then I apologize ahead of time, but this is the way it's going to be for us uh, getting into the Gospel of Mark. Okay, so what's happening? Okay, I'll leave in the synagogue, so he's ju- he just um, performed the exorcism that has everybody astonished, amazed, whatever. Okay, I'll leave in the synagogue. He entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. There is not even time for a mother-in-law joke. They immediately told him about, they immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, helped her up, then the fever left her. Okay, there's so much here. One, they immediately told him about her. In the first chapter of Mark especially, but even as we make our way through, you're going to he- keep hearing that word, immediately, 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 immediately. And what I want to say is, as, uh, say, from the, from the perspective of spiritual direction or mentoring or whatever, Jesus shows up immediately. Okay, yeah, God is on the scene, right? He, and here, he's on the move. Jesus is showing up immediately. Now, for us, this is true as well. Jesus is there. He's always there. He's always on the scene, right? It's, it's always immediate. But sometimes it takes us a while to warm up to 
where he is, what he's doing, what he's doing in us, what he's working through us, what he's doing outside of us. Okay, so Jesus immediately. And then to look at that word from a little bit different perspective and say immediately or unmediated. Yeah, so like Jesus is, Jesus is there like, the, I don't know, the, the raw Jesus, like the real Jesus is showing up. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not like he's showing up and he just ha- like he has a job to do. This is kind of what, what we do from time to time, right? You, can't, you show up, but you're not fully there. He's fully there. He's fully there. He's there, and then he's there, and then he's there. And when he goes, he's there. Right, so even the intentionality of the thing, right? He, he is there in this unmediated way. Um, he, he encounters people also then where they are. So you had the perfect setup for real human encounter because Jesus is fully there, and then he's encountering the people who are there. And he encounters them in their plight, okay? I'm already making this a bit too long. Okay, so they immediately told him about her. There's no interaction. There's no, say, verbal interaction between Jesus and the mother-in-law, right? It's he approached, he approached, grasped her hand, help her up. Very, very quick. He approached, grasped her hand, help her up. Then the fever left her. She's healed, and she waits on them. This is the translation. He waits on them. The Greek is... Uh, uh, diakone, diakone, which is um, she ministered to them. She ministered, or in the King James, she ministered unto them. So this is much more than she waited on them. Right? I say she wait. I said she waited on them, and we think, okay. The last time I went to a restaurant, do you know, like that, I, I I encountered a waiter. He did this. He did that. He took care of some pretty superficial needs on my part. He was a bit too slow. He was a bit, you know, like, he didn't get a, I didn't give him a big tip. He didn't really do all that much. He waited on me, but whatever. It wasn't that significant. That isn't what's going on here, okay? Here, she is um, being healed by the power of God, by God's own life of love at work in her, right? Jesus is affecting this cure at work in her and then working through her. And the working through her part is the ministry Okay, so we're not called exactly like to wait on each other in the sense like we are called to serve each other. Okay, and and ministry is um, it's not even like a two-way street, right? There's a triad there. It ministry always involves God and the other and myself. And and what we're seeing here already, this very quick, right? She waited on them or uh, she uh, ministered to them. We're seeing like the the um, the her. Her being made whole in the, in, in the aspects of her ability to commune with God and then channel that communion for the good of the people around her. And she ministered unto Jesus. Right? This is, a, I mean, anyway, it's incredible, but I won't stop there. Okay, we, we have to keep going. Yeah. When it was evening after sunset, they brought him all who were, who were ill or possessed by demons. Okay, now think of anyone in your life who's ill or possessed by a demon. <laughs> Right? Okay? And then we're gonna bring that we're gonna bring that person to Jesus. Yeah, I know. We're gonna bring that person to Jesus. Okay? And you think, I don't know how many people that will be, okay? But here in this passage, the whole town was gathered at the door. You know, there's a lot of people ill and possessed by demons, you know, like it was it. And I think this is this this whole gospel passage is like the it's like a nightmare for an introvert. You feel that, right? Like the whole town is at the door. Okay, the whole town is at the door, okay. Jesus, what does he do? He just, he just leans into it, right? 
He cured many who were sick with various diseases. He drove out many demons. So he's renewing people's lives. Okay, let me take a break. You need renewal. Okay, I need to be renewed. You need to be renewed. Jesus here is renewing lives. Okay, so he's, he's driving out demons. Demons are always disfiguring forces that prevent us or, or derail us from doing the truly human thing that God has always intended us to do. We're made to praise God with full heart, full voice, and the rest. And then, we're, and then by virtue of our praising him, loving him above all else and the rest, we're, we're then made to pour ourselves out in his service. So Jesus is defeating the disfiguring forces that prevent us from living according to that vocation. Then we can live according to that vocation. Okay, so he's driving out demons. And then what else do we see? This is, this is key. Drive out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. That's a strange one, right? And it's strange, just like we heard last time. It's a strange one. Because they're giving testimony, right, to the fact that Jesus is who he is. They know him. Right? So we saw before, the Holy One of God, like these kind of proclamations. He's the Messiah. He's on the scene so as to renew God's people and lead them into the promised land, right? He's there to renew Israel and then re restore the whole of creation. And they know that. And they're otherwise saying it, except that Jesus quiets them. He doesn't accept the testimony, right? He won't take it, not permitting them to speak. Why? Because we've already seen what the testimony is, the testimony that God wants is. It's Simon Peter's mother-in-law ministering to them. They've been healed. They've been made whole by the love of God. They're now becoming vehicles of his love and his mercy, his forgiving love, his self-giving love. Right, so they're possessed now not by demons, they're possessed by love. And they go out so that everything then can be love. Any, any human endeavor or activity they take on can be love. It's not about, say, the testimony of the ascent to propositional truth in this sense. And we value the ascent to propositional truth, right? There's a reason why we recite the creed at every Sunday Mass. I believe in one God. Even you know, Pope Benedict himself said... Um, this is, the most, this is the most radical, revolutionary statement we can utter. I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, blah, blah, blah. Okay, why? Because there are many gods on the scene. There are many gods competing for our allegiance who want us to serve them. Or perhaps put it the other way around. We're tempted to serve other gods. So we make that claim. We're, gonna, we're, go, we're going to assent to that propositional truth not just claiming it to be true, but living into it. And so perhaps a better expression of our, our praise of God liturgically is the Gloria that we, that we pray and how the Gloria sets up the creed. We have to praise God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then the, and then the ascent to propositional truth, the propositional truths of the church, right, that they teach in, in, not only in the name, but with the voice of Christ, make all the sense in the world because they help us all, those, all the truths that the church teaches help us to structure our life of praise and of love. Yes, yeah, so we have, to, we have to push on with this, okay? He's not permitting the demons to speak. He wants, he wants the testimony of renewed lives. Again, you need renewal. I need renewal. And the renewal itself is the testimony, okay? One more. This, see, I did it in three parts because the third part is the most important part. So I have to preach it. Do you know, like I couldn't say, okay, the third part is the least, and then I'll just skip it. We'll, it's the most important part. Okay, right, sir. So, yeah? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, he knows, but he believes me, I think. Okay, rising very early before dawn, like Father Daniel, okay, rising, or like Job. Uh, he's, not, he's not meandering in, in meaninglessness, right? Rising very early before dawn, he left, he went off to a, a deserted place where he prayed. Okay? It's the key to the whole thing. It's the key to the whole thing. He goes off by himself. And I will suggest this, right? We, we also have to be a people who go off by ourselves to pray. We need to. And we need to do it for at least, say, two reasons or two effects. We need, we need depth. Yeah? And we need sincerity. And we're not going to find them, or we're not going to find them all that easily, in the context of our day-to-day -day lives, in the sense of, right, we, our lives also, like Job's, are like the weaver's shuttle, right? This way, that way, that way, this way, that way, that way. The image that I have in my mind is like, um, you know, you try to, you try to get a, a stone to skip across the water, right? You got to, you need, need a nice stone to begin with, right? But a nice little pebble. But you're going to throw it as hard as you can, as fast as you can. And it's going to skip across the thing or whatever. This is what our lives look like. We're just like skipping across the water. And there's no depth. We're just moving, we're moving too fast. Right? So everything we encounter is a task to be solved. Right? Everything we encounter is, I got to check that box, move on to the next one, check that box, check that box, check. We need to go by ourselves away. If Jesus, right, the second person of the Holy Trinity, needs to spend time away in prayer, how much more do we, right? Every moment of his existence is communing with God, everything, communing with his Father. How about us? So are we at that point yet? And even if the great thing is, even if you are at that point, I hope you are, you know, then you're going to still need to spend time in prayer. Jesus did. Jesus did. And this, this is his everything. This is the source of his strength and the rest. And this is the source of our strength as well, to be, again, off the deserted place uh, by ourselves so that we can pray. Then we can take on anything that comes our way, right? Including the everyone is looking for you. Like I said, right? This is the, also the, the kind of stressed parent nightmare as well, right? Everyone's looking for, everyone's looking for you. Everybody needs you. Right? It's like, okay, well, I can take that on because I have the power of God at work in me and working through me. Yeah? And, and here, here it is for us. Yeah? Okay. The close of it is that Jesus is doing exactly what he needs to do in order to renew his people. Yeah? We know that we are, as the psalm says, with the brokenhearted. Yeah? We're the brokenhearted. Right? We need time to be alone with God in prayer. We need depth. Not skipping across the water, not sinking in the water, okay? But rising to God. We need death. And so we need silence to be able to come before God and give Him our hearts. We need silence every day, right? We need, we need the habit of prayer. We need, the, we need the hard fought discipline of daily prayer in order to be God and have Him give us that depth, right? We're turning ourselves over to Him from the depths. And in the depths, everything that is in our heart and our life, we want to turn over to him. And he's coming to, to infiltrate us, right? He's coming, he's coming to have our, every fiber of our being uh, permeated with his love. He wants to show us mercy. He wants mercy to be the breath that we breathe. And so we have to, we have to go to him and pray.
Yeah, and, and praying then, right? Opening our hearts to him, receiving his healing and his strength. He is going to make us his healing bringers, right? The people, people who, are, who are tasked with that great responsibility of bringing his, his hope and his healing to life for the people that he's entrusting to our care, for bringing his life and his love to whomever he, to, to healing us, us. And my friends, he is then summoning us, healing us, and sending us today that we might make the proclamation, not only with our lips, but with our lives, of the glory of God come to birth on earth as it is in heaven, come to birth in us and working its wonders through us.